Hello and welcome to your weekly roundup of all the latest news and ramble about the world of electric cars from the gang at electrifying.com. This week, we will be discussing the car tech that you can't live without, our charging heroes and the villains over Christmas. And we'll also take a look at some of the biggest news stories in the world of electric cars breaking this week. Welcome to the Kilowatt Half Hour. I'm Ginny. I'm Mike. And I'm Tom. It's the first one of the New Year gang. And and in true electrifying style, we're going to kick off with some moans, aren't we? Charging moans. (laughs) (laughs) Well, heroes and villains, yes. (laughs) Heroes and villains. Um, Should we we start with that? Because it's, you know, I'm guessing that we all did a fair bit of travelling the length and breadth of the country uh, to visit various aunties and grannies and, and cousins over Christmas. Did you have any heroes or villains to report on the charging front, Mike? Um, yeah, a bit of, bit of both, really. I think heroes was. Remember all that fuss just before Christmas? There was don't travel. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be on your electric mm-hmm. car. It's going to even, don't even think about it. Well, I traveled day before Christmas Eve up to Melksham to pick up my, my stepdaughter. And um, we stopped at a, um, a Costa there. And there's a fast Ned station there, six, six units, lovely one, big yellow canopy, not mm-hmm. far from the M4A303. I saw two cars there for the for the hour that I was there. There was, you know, people drove in, charged up, went off. There was just no, I mean, I'm sure there'll be people who say it was busy everywhere. But anecdotally, I I found that most people said it was absolutely, absolutely fine for, for, for charging. That's my hero. And my villain was my pod point home charger mm-hmm. has decided its New Year's resolution is to not work anymore. So it's, uh, well, it works, but it's kind of gone rogue. It charges all the time now, so. I plugged in my my Ionic Five when it was empty, and normally the 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 program on the on the pod point that tells it to charge at midnight and four a.m. for my my Octopus Go, and um, I just got a ping halfway through the afternoon say your car's full, and I thought, oh no, I've got a forty oh, no. kilowatt hour, you know, charge of seventy kilowatt battery. So oh no, that's so, yeah, not good. So it's got really it's sort of being like you know a five or six quid to fill up. It's probably going to be a thick end of twenty quid. So I was really annoyed about that. And at first I thought it was user error, so I tried it again the next time. And of course the same thing happened. I was only doing a bit of research, found out that yeah, it's sort of lost its connection and won't won't reconnect. So that's uh, I don't know what to do. Whether to sort of stick with it or um, or pony up for a new one and just you know get it all working again. But yeah, so those are the, those are my heroes and villains over Christmas. Well, I. I will. Uh, I'll come back um, on that one with you because I did replace my uh, charging unit yesterday. Uh, yesterday, last year. Um, so I've had a a charge master. It still had charge master on it from wow. right from retro. the very early days. Honestly, really retro. Big lump lump of plastic. Never failed me once. Yeah. It's. It was just like honestly. I never had an issue with it. Just did what it said on the tin. Um, and then last year, I swapped it out for a Zappy, which I generally have been happy with, apart from actually it seems way too complicated and the technology, you've really got it. It's not massively intuitive is my is my big point on that. But actually, it has tripped out quite a lot. So twice really? over Christmas, I woke up to a car that hadn't charged because the charger had completely tripped out, which never happened once with the charge master so yeah i i mean i think if, if it ain't broke don't fix it and don't change it mm. would be my advice to you mike so that was my villain actually because I, I didn't really go anywhere at christmas 
for the first Christmas in years, I didn't really travel. I was I let family come to me, which was nice. We came to us. Um, but I did have a really good charging experience before Christmas when I was up in Manchester at the Trafford Centre where they've got all those banks of mm. unlocked Tesla chargers. And I do still think if you can find those, they are absolutely brilliant because they always work and they're fast and you can usually get on them so come on tesla if you're going to do one thing for us in 2024 open up <laughs> the rest and put some and put some more in because you quite clearly really yeah. do know how to run a charging network so that that would be my uh, my villain and my hero tom what about I, you I think- well, I think Mike, we both got the villain in the uh, the BP points that are in the uh, the what is, what's the centre called? Is it the uh, is it a Westfield in, uh, in Westfield, White City? Yeah, yeah. Oh God, that's oh, awful, God. isn't it? Yeah. So you go underground, and first of all, you can't get any phone reception to look at the the website because you're underground, and they don't even work with a card. So there's these what twelve bays. Yeah. And before Christmas. Every other space was taken. You had to queue for them. You were fighting and elbowing your way to get to spaces. And there's these empty 12 base. People hadn't iced them, which is a good thing, but none of them worked. So uh, infuriating when you, you need to charge. Um, but the, the the hero for me is that, and it's becoming more normal for me. Lisa said, my wife Lisa said, oh, let's go to the seaside. So South End, the car didn't really have enough charge. I thought I'm going to have to charge when we get there on the way back. So you just look on, on a map and there's a charge point in one of the car parks. You go there, there's four bays, two of them are taken, plug in, and it works. And you just think this is how it should be all the yeah. time. I think generally the thing I have noticed is that charging has got better. Now that immediately means that you were all going to start tapping on your on your keyboard yeah. and sending us comments that, no, it was a nightmare here and it was a nightmare there. And I, I do you know, admit that there still are lots of places where we need to do more, but I do think it is getting better out there. Yes, no? Yeah. Agreed? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I still, I remember the first days of having a leaf and when there were one, there was one point here or there and you knew you couldn't get home because it was a leaf and it only had 80 miles range or something. And in comparison to now when cars have got a longer range so you can always mm. go somewhere else in an emergency, but it's just, it is it seems to me to be better. I don't panic about doing those long journeys anymore because I know that either I'll be able to charge at my destination or I'll be able to charge on the way home. And, and it, it's I don't have range anxiety anymore. Good. Would you agree with that, Mike? Yeah, I think so. I think that we discussed the other day and it comes up in the post bag a bit later, really. It's, it's charger anxiety now, isn't it? You're just thinking, well, mm. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. I'm aiming for this place that's got I mean, it's interesting when we're doing this sort of filtering on ZapMap to sort of try and find somewhere now. It used to be a bonus if there was like more than two uh, charging station, and now I kind of filter for four or more charges. Yeah. You, 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 but even then, you're kind of still getting stuff that's really busy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess it's peak times as well, isn't it? People, you know, people is trying to work out the point at which most people are going to be charging. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have it. I think. That- I think the biggest challenge, and I know there was a, some, some news that came out, I think it might have been right at the start of the year last week, maybe, or maybe over Christmas, which was something that the RAC had done where we just still aren't meeting targets for rapid charges on motorways. Mm. Um, and I would agree with that. And I don't know about you guys, but I do do a fair bit of motorway driving and I tend to always come off the motorway. If you know, yeah. to, I, I will avoid charging at the services unless I know it's, say, the grid serve chargers at rugby. But even yeah. they were a little bit hit and miss at one point last year. Um, but I think one of the big challenges for charge point operators is getting the actual chargers in. So I talk to a lot of them regularly and they'll say it's still issues with 
planning, with the fact they don't own the land. So we do quite clearly have a long way to go. But I mean, you've got to really look at people like Gridserve and send hats off to them for what they've mm. done. You know, they are, they took that the electric highway, which was on its knees, and they are definitely making quite a big difference with that, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, the only time I've ever had to queue at a motorway service station is when I had a Tesla and it was um, uh, South Mims. And I had to wait, I don't know, five, 10 minutes maybe. But there's uh, an announcement today that uh, there are going to be 36 Tesla chargers at South Mims and Hopwood. I don't even know where Hopwood is, but 36 chargers. I mean, that's wow. that's getting pretty serious, isn't it? Hopwood is in Manchester, near oh, Rochdale, unless it. there's another yeah. Hopwood. So please do correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that because my parents do some volunteering at a place called Hopwood Hall. Hmm. Might not be the same Hopwood, but I yeah hope it is because there's desperate need for charges up there in North Manchester. I mean, 36. Um, I mean, we thought yeah, we were well, at rugby, the, the total of, what, 24 and 12 Tesla and 12 um, Gridserve was impressive, but yeah. 36 just Tesla. They don't really have any up there, Tom. Honestly, charging still up in North Manchester is really bad. And if anyone listening does live in North Manchester, please, if you could drop me a line to let me know where I can charge other than on the unlocked Teslas at um, the uh, Trafford Centre, that would be much appreciated because I do struggle a lot with charging when I get up there. May I make a quick public service announcement? You may. Or a request, rather. Um <laughs> If there's anyone else got an Ionic 5 or an EV6 and has been able to get a Tesla V3 charger, which is the, the quicker ones, not the brand new V4 ones, but the slightly quicker ones that are in most of, the, most of the publicly open sites. If you've got those to work with your car, can you let me know? Because I know early on there was a problem with those cars not working with the 800 volt system that um, Hyundai and Kia have. So I'd be interested to know. So please let me know in the comments below if you've been able to get one to work. That's Over it. to you, dear listener. And uh, and you can also email us as well. If you do want to email us, you can email yes. us at info at electrifying.com. So if you don't feel, if you're, if, perhaps if you're listening to this as a traditional podcast and not on YouTube, um, then do feel free to uh, to drop us a line. We always, always love hearing from you. And we'll be doing... Uh, Postman Mike's postbag, that's it, isn't it? We'll be doing that um, at the end of the podcast as well because we've had some good ones in. I want to talk now about technology on cars that I don't know if we need. So I'm running a BMW i5, which is pretty good all round. I think it was there, one of the winners actually in our electrifying awards last year. Um, and of course it is packed with technology, not least it has the um, the ability to take selfies of you, which I haven't actually Useful. used Can't believe yet. It. No, but you know, I'm sure the kids will find it fun. Um, but what is probably slightly more useful is that it has got a parking assistant. So this is quite a clever one. It recognises um, spaces. You can ask it to find you a parking space. It will park automatically, whether that's perpendicular or parallel parking, and it will also drive out the parking space for you. And of course, I've used this technology before, but I haven't had it um, in a car that I've had for a long period of time to this degree. And I used it again for the first time before Christmas. Um, and it's Honestly, my heart was in my mouth. <laughs> it, it goes into the parking space a little bit faster than I would dare to do. You yeah. know, it's made me realise that I'm a steady, cautious parker. And, and, and honestly, the first time, my hands were hovering over the steering wheel, just wanting to take back control. I've used it a lot more since then, um, and I've got used to it, actually. And, and I do think it's 
well, I think it's useful in, there's an awful um, car park in Reading at the station that I use a lot. And it's a horrible car park and the spaces are really narrow. It's kind of useful in there. Mm. Um, but it's, I kind of think that if you have a car that has got that technology, you really should be able to just park yourself. So I don't know, is it something that, that people use? Or like me, are you such a backseat driver that actually you're hovering over the steering wheel and your foot's on the brake, just waiting to dive in? So, so what, and the interesting what, what, thing is, is my son who's 14, who is obviously, you know, really into technology, he can't stand it. He really? literally is, please don't put that on. Please, finds it completely freaky and it literally terrifies him. So Gosh. I don't know, it's interesting. I am, I'm using it quite regularly and I'm, I'm a lot more relaxed with it now after having used it for sort of uh, probably six weeks or so. But I don't know. Do you, what do you reckon out there, dear listeners? What, what, do you use that? I mean, yeah, Tom? Mike, what's, what what's, the pro, what's the process for the BMW one? Because I remember the first ones, and I think I had a cash car with it 10 years ago. And yeah, yeah, it's not new, You, you still it? had to press the, the throttle, but the, the process of it was that you yeah. had to go past a space, press the button, it would recognise, and by the time there's then six cars queuing up beeping at you, and you just give up. But I think the BMW so it, is a bit more automated, isn't it? Do you have to press any throttle? It, it, it will find the parking space if you if you tell it, no, you don't get involved at all. So this is coming back to this whole thing about, you know, self-driving technology. Um, and I spent quite a lot of time last year in a, in a Mustang Mach-E with the hands-off tech on the on the motorway, which, again, completely freaky the first time you do it. Mm. Um, no, you don't do anything. So it's, it's very clever. So you just, uh, it will say, do you want to enable park assist? And you just press the little button on the screen and it does the whole thing for you and it will show you the space that it's identified. So it's a very, very clever system. And I don't doubt that it's probably a far better driver than, than I am. But it's just interesting. The steering is still feels a bit jerky. Just the way it does in, you know, I've been a passenger in quite a few self-driving cars when that technology has been trialed here in the UK. And that's the weirdest thing is the way the steering wheel feels jerky. And it all just feels a bit automated because, of course, it is. But it's a very clever system. And I am using it a lot more now. And it is quite useful. But it's that first feeling of, oh, I don't like this. And also the feeling that passengers have. My mum also was here over Christmas and she was like, please don't use that. I just don't like it. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have technology, dear listeners, on your car that you, you don't use? We've kind of touched on this before. Um, but I, I think this could be really useful tech, but I think you just have to get used to it. I don't know. Any, any interesting tech on your car, Tom? Well, well, first of all, on the automatic parking thing, I normally ignore them because I just can't be bothered. But I tried it on the Toyota BZ4X I've got because I was at Stansted Airport and there was a perfect spot. There was no one around. And I thought, I'll try this technology, see if it's improved. So I pressed the button and it said, your cameras are too dirty. Get out and clean them. (laughs) (laughs) For God's sake. (laughs) Okay, Okay. I give up. It's just easier to to park myself. But no, I think for, for cameras... The big thing for me is that, that we're all going towards towards cameras all the time, and uh, the Nissan Aria that I've been running has a, um, a one of those, you know, the rear view camera, the one on your windscreen. You can have that as a, a mirror, or you can have it as a camera. And there's only once when I've used the camera, and that's mm. when it was like loaded to the gunnels, and I couldn't actually see out the back because otherwise, it's just a really strange. It's in two dimensions, so you don't get the it distance is. you are to other cars, and it's. You have to you have an odd thing where you're focusing on the windscreen and then you're focusing on something which is nearer to you. And it just takes a fraction of a second, but it just doesn't feel natural. 
it's better than having no rear vision at all, but I would always choose to have the mirror because it's in 3D um, if I could do. And those uh, where you have on like uh, the Honda E or the Audi e-tron where you have the, the side, the door mirrors are cameras. I think it saves you yeah. something like two miles on the range, but means you can't see when it's raining or at night. It was uh, interesting, wasn't it, a couple of weeks ago, Mike, on the pod, like, towards the end of last year, when Nick Nicola was saying that she actually mm. likes the cameras on the Honda E. It's the mm. only car she likes, those digital cameras. Personally, yeah. I'm a bit like you. I'm not, not a massive fan. I, I'd rather have Park Assist than digital cameras. Yeah, I mean, tech. cameras have a, uh, they're great when you're reversing. And if mm-hmm. I now get in a car that doesn't have a reversing camera, I think there was, there was a Citroen which didn't have it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to actually <laughs> look where I'm going. Um, then, then they're brilliant. But for... For, for those sort of common things while you're driving, I, I, no, I'd rather have a proper old-fashioned bit of glass. Cue all the comments, quite rightly, about spoilt journalists who only get to drive cars yeah. that are fitted with cameras. And and also CarPlay, Apple CarPlay. We talk about that like every car in the world's got it, which, of course, it, it, it doesn't have. But it is worth pointing out that a lot of the cars that we get sent to test, they are always specced up to the nines, aren't they, Mike? Yeah, they They've got all the gadgets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They are. Speaking of gadgets, um, I mean, I'll give you one one that I one that I use and one that I don't use on Ionic Five. I'm surprised to find myself. I do use the vehicle to load thing a fair bit. Um, mm. I, powered, I powered my Christmas lights off them outside Christmas lights off the car, <laughs> but I had to sort of what a rig brilliant up. Idea. But Why I had to rig. Think of that? I That's know. Amazing. Done that. I had to rig up some sort of daft oh. umbilical cord for when I drove the car away. Obviously, I didn't want my inflatables and the lights to go out, so I had to sort of have a sort of secondary kind of thing under the car so it didn't get wet. So it was more complicated. It was I'm not sure I'll do it again next year for the 40p I might have saved by doing it. But um, the other thing, my car came with um, those relaxation seats. You know, those ones that kind of in the Ionic 5 that kind of go yeah, all the yeah, way yeah, back yeah. and with the little sort of ottoman. They go right back, but, don't they? They do. And... I, there's never been a point where I felt like using those because they're supposed to do it when you're charging up. It's supposed to relax you when you charge up. But, you know, who do, I don't, I, I mean, I do something. I do some work or I, I eat my McDonald's or something like that. I've never really found a point where I need to be sort of lying prone. So I might fall asleep and then, you know, three, wake up three mm. hours later at a charger still. But, uh, yeah, so I've never used those. I, I kind of regret ticking the options box for those. But uh, the vehicle to load thing I've used quite a bit but uh, tom going back to your point about the um parking in public car park in that westfield one that we both parked in before christmas is it it was an underground car park at 312 spaces or something and the sign said there were six available now what i'd really want is the car to know which where those six are because you and i drove up and down up Mm. and down up and down every row to find I mean, we eventually found them, but it took about 20 minutes and three laps, didn't it, to find it? It was one of those places that didn't have the lights, mm. the little green lights or anything. So it's a, yeah, so that would be the, per- and park yeah. it in there. That would be the perfect system. Would. I would use that all the time. I would say that in Westford, London, they should perhaps aim just for actually getting the charges to work first. That might oh, that'd be, be nice. That'd be anyway, nice. on the topic of chargers, um, I'm going to rattle through some news stories mm. now because there's been a great news story that came out this week, which is this one. It's over on the uh, the website, electrifying.com, which is about BT turning those green cabinets that you see dotted around the place into chargers, which I thought was such a cool idea. So there, is a, there are apparently 60,000 of them around the UK, and they're traditionally used to store all the cabling for broadband and telephone cabling. And how it works is it's a pilot scheme. They're going to retrofit the cabinets to provide uh, charge points. And if there's um, existing broadband cabling in there, then 
they can do that without the need for additional um, power connections, which is great. Um, and it means that chargers can be fitted in those cabinets that are still being used. And also the ones that perhaps have been, you know, put out of service, it gives them, you know, a second life, which is brilliant. I think the thing that really stood out for me, though, on this story was this one line where it said they're working really closely with local councils in Scotland and more widely across the UK. And it's just like, here we go again. It's actually Scotland that has another brilliant electric vehicle initiative. Scotland have really got it together when it comes to electric cars, haven't they? Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I think they have with everything, haven't they? I mean, there's there's the grants there's the grants that you can get in Scotland. There's, it's not just electric cars, it's solar panels. And uh, one of our contributors, Jess Cross, has all sorts of setups that he's done using the grants that he can get from the Scottish government. As a result, he's got two electric cars and loves them and, and fuels them very cheaply. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm quite jealous. <laughs> yeah, it was just that. That was the line. Closely with Scotland, more widely across the UK. That means we're not going to get too many of them. And, and hats off to you in Scotland again. You know, just if you're not driving an electric car and you live in Scotland, you really should be because there's some great infrastructure up there. Um, so, Mike, any new stories caught your eye this week? Uh, well, as we, you know, as, as we reported, electric car sales um, are sort of, I hate to use the word flatlining, but they're not growing perhaps at quite the rate they were. And certainly the public no. uh, are private sort of purchases are, are are taking quite a hit so there's been a call for um vat to be addressed on on electric cars um so there's a cause for it to be halved um i mean so i was just putting it out to the room really do we think we need more incentives i mean if you look around europe france still has a five five thousand and a seven thousand um euro incentives for for electric car purchase and a lot of other countries in europe still do and we turned ours off pretty quickly yeah. because there was a feeling that the, perhaps the, the system was being gained. But yeah, do we do we need incentives to get people into electric cars still? I think when you look at those stats, I think whether the VAT reduction is the right thing, um, you know, how long have we been calling for a VAT reduction mm. on public charging, which yeah. again needs to happen. And, needs to you know, they don't seem quite, they don't seem too keen to give up on their, the, uh, on, on their, uh, the money they make from VAT, do they? But I think when you look at those stats and like you say, it's, it's not a massive drop, but it's definitely a flat line. And I think there's mm. the one that really stood out for me was that one, only one in 11 electric cars sold now are going to private buyers, mm. which is, Quite a shocking figure. So I think I would argue that yes, but then you do come back to that thing with why should we be subsidising people to go into, yeah. you know, nice sort of 50, 60, 70,000 pound electric cars. So I think I would want to see it down at the lower end of the market. And actually, we talk so much about new cars. I would like to see it on used cars. And we've just mm. been talking about Scotland, and I think you just mentioned it, Tom. In Scotland, they have that brilliant thing, which is the EV loan scheme, which is run by the Energy Saving Trust in Scotland. And that's available for, it's an interest-free loan of up to £30,000 for mm. an electric car or van, up to £5,000 for an electric mo uh, motorbike or a moped. And just schemes like that, I think, are brilliant. Because I think we do, we will have a lot more used stock coming onto the market now. And it would be great that, you know, they are still relatively more expensive and it would be great to get people in. But yeah, I think I would be a yes for that. But I would caveat that with it needs to perhaps be, you know, on, on, only on cars up to a certain level. Um, I don't know. What do you reckon, Tom? Uh, well, I think you're right. If you incentivize used cars or make used cars more attractive, 
then you improve the retained value that those cars have, which makes the finance on new cars cheaper. So that that seems to me to be a win-win. I mean, the the industry saying cut VAT, uh, I think that they they've previously been shown to if there's a tax cut, they just kind of nick it, don't they? You know, when there was the the grant. And then yeah. suddenly the grant got cut. All the manufacturers suddenly found they had a lot more profit margin than they thought they did. <laughs> so I think if you can incentivize people to buy electric cars, whether they're new or used in whatever way, and maybe it's the infrastructure. I mean, people are still saying, I'm not going to get an electric car until I know I can get to my grands at, uh, at Christmas. So it's, um, I, don't know, I think if you can incentivize other things rather than just taking money off. I don't actually think it is infrastructure that's putting people off. I think it's price. So we did that big piece of work last year where we spoke to like over 11,000 drivers around the UK and a lot of them, the vast majority were non-electric car owners. You ask them what the biggest barrier to entry is in its price. And they are still expensive. You know, we talk mm. about cars that are under £30,000 as if they're like affordable and, and they're not. You know, that should, that's, if you're looking to get into a, a car, you know, fairly cheap new car and you want a petrol car, you've got a lot more choice than that. I think the last mm. time we looked, there were over 100 options if you were looking at um, a cheaper petrol and diesel and like a handful for electric. Um, mm. And I guess that leads us into the next news story that I was going to bring up, which oh. is MX-30. Because that's at a price cut, hasn't it, Tom? Yeah, so MX-30 has um, has been one of the cars that started off being below £30,000 and then it went above £30,000 and mm. now, finally, it's gone below thirty grand again. So it's it's one of the cheaper cars out there. Um, so it's now competitive with things like a, a Leaf or, uh, well, the Mini's got above 30000 now, hasn't it? So the, the, those cars that are below thirty grand, it's now one of them. Now... Um, the strange thing with MX-30s, I've never liked them really, and I've never seen the point of them. But you do sometimes, when you're talking to people about electric cars and I say, what do you need? And they say, I want a car that's around £30,000 or this much per month. And I need uh, five seats and it needs to be able to get the family in it. And I quite like being sat up high and I don't do that many much. You suddenly find yourself recommending an MX-30 which it's something I never expected to do because the range is so small and it, it's slow to charge and I yeah. don't know, it's just a bit strange really, isn't it? But I can see it's got a place and now it's below 30 grand. It's even more of a place, I suppose. It's definitely more palatable, isn't it? I ran one for a while. I don't know if you remember. This was right mm-hmm. at the sort of the, in the early days when we first launched Electrifying. And um, and it was that, I mean, in winter, oh my goodness me, <laughs> it's just a joke, you know. But if you are one of those people who does fairly fixed mileage every day and, you know, you're charging up at home on your off-peak tariff, then all those sort of quibbles with it, they're not going to bother you too much. And the thing that really struck me about that car from having it was how big it was in the back. So I had rowers staying with us um, during the period that we had it and rowers are tall. And um, I had four, six foot, four, five rowers in that car, three in the back, one in the front as passengers one day. And they were like, oh, this is good. This is big. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good practical car. I don't know. Would that does it make it more palatable to you, Mike? Now it's dropped under that 30K mark. No, no, I don't think it no. does. I think <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, I think you look on the used oh, market and, and you know, I know, I bless it. I know, l- listen, I love stuff that's different and I, you know, I love, 
I love those kind of rear suicide doors because my i3 has them and I think you know it's yeah. it's, it's a nice piece of that. it's got that cork in the interior and everything it's clearly you know it's had nice. a bit of, it's a nice thing but would I spend my own money on it's it been thought it has no I wouldn't I think you know if you're looking at sort of just under 30 grand and you're looking at and you, you want to go something there's there's a ton of stuff on the used market nearly new year old that would um I would say be infinitely more practical on it but if you like it you know and it's a car you would buy with your heart I think not your head um then you know fair play even there's no wrong decisions if you like it right well then poor MX-30 it's uh it's not the most loved car that we've we've had through the electrifying towers doors is it no, well, I think I, I fell out of love with it in, in the first instance because I stopped at Beaconsfield Services because it needed a charge and plugged it into the, the high-power chargers and it had like 5% charge left. And it was taking 9 kilowatts. The maximum it would take was 9 kilowatts oh on an Iola T350 kilowatt charger. <laughs> and we had loads of problems with the 12-volt volt battery on it, didn't we, mm. from memory, mm. I think, yeah. as well. I think we all were all succumbed to 12 volt issues at some one point or another. Yeah. Anyway, so we are only a couple of minutes left on this episode of the Kilowatt Half Hour. Should we do Postman Mike's Postbag? Da, 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 da. I'm not going to yeah, do the yeah. song. Oh, I'll wait until Nicholas is back to do you. that. Oh, okay. oh. Well, that do you want me to do it? No. Postman <laughs> Mike, Postman Mike, Postman Mike on his electric bike. So there's no, right, in case, just in case there's any listeners left. Um, yeah, post bag. Good post bag this week. Thank you very much. If you were listening to it on the podcast app and you're wondering what we're talking about, these are the comments that are below um, our YouTube version of this podcast. So if you've got a point, if you think we're talking out about backsides uh, or agree or disagree with anything we said, please leave your comments there. Right, this post bag on the subject of charging at someone's house, which we brought up in the one we, we did just before Christmas. Um, uh, Zan Manning says um, he stayed at a wonderful um, Airbnb uh, October, November. They offered the use of their Zappy charger and invoiced at a rate of um, the cost plus 5p per kilowatt hour, which seems perfectly reasonable. He was happy with it. And then he had a fully charged car Love and everything. That. I think that seems to be the way to go, Airbnb hosts. Um, Dad JV says um, he's just been told by someone who has a holiday cottage that it's illegal to allow anyone to plug into a 13 amp socket to charge the car at their cottage. He said he can't find anything referring to this. There's a reason for that because it isn't. Is anyone any wiser? I don't think it's illegal. I would say that it's probably the owner saying it's illegal because it would put people off doing it. If, if the owner says, I'd rather you didn't charge your electric car off the 13-amp socket, he probably would. Yeah. But if you say it's illegal, it adds another level of peril into it, doesn't it? I mean, I must admit, the words cottage mm, and 13-amp yeah. socket do slightly scare me because <laughs> the are, it yeah. does sound like a, very, a rather old property. And as we know, uh, wiring in certainly a plug that's reached the outside or close to the outside of your property is usually on a spur off a spur of a very old system. So yeah, you need, need to good. make sure it's incredibly trustworthy before you sort of stuck it, um, your car onto charge for that. But I don't think it's, it's illegal. Um, Jude Brown says um, she doesn't have any off-street parking, um, but she's hoping that uh, there'll be an AC charger in a parking area. She's got a local green councillor um, who said to ask, so she's been told to keep prodding the council in the next year so yeah to keep would I mean, yeah. we'd advise that would keep going because a lot of councils do have budget yeah for this sort of thing well that this is the thing that we we've done a lot of research into this and there is this huge pot of money that the government mm. has set aside that councils can tap into um to get um parking on on street parking and also in in public places um and it's not being tapped into some councils are great some councils are not so just really be aware that if you're looking and thinking oh it'd be great to get some charges there 
actually the money is there and councils are supposed to be accessing that mm. money. So I would be persistent with that. If you've got a local paper, write to your local paper, just make yourself a bit of a pain because they need to do this. Yeah. That's my rant over for today. Absolutely. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, on, on the subject of ranger and charge anxiety, which came, came up whether one exists and the other one doesn't, um, Patrick H. Um, slightly angrily said that you asked for comments, but I never read his out. So um, anyway, so here goes. Oh, Patrick. sorry, Patrick. Um, well, it, well yeah, you bought an electric car five years ago and public charging was free, generally free. I remember those heady days. Uh, um, yeah. he's never, but he said he's never gone to the seaside because the two resorts that have free charging, uh, the charges are in supermarkets and he's not prepared to wait four hours and get a ticket for overstaying in the car. So. Um, he's never public charged, um, but he's seen reviews that suggest you need lots of strange cards and we can't even standardize the plugs. Um, I, Patrick, I would suggest maybe firstly have a look at our charging away from home section on the electrifying.com website. Yeah. And I think, you know, possibly that is a slightly, um, I, I'm not saying it was perfect ever. And I think certainly there was a case when there were lots of apps and cards and things and you couldn't use contactless, but I'd urge you, Patrick, to perhaps you have a go out there and have a look and see because vast, vast, vast majority of charges take contactless cards now and really down to C yeah. CCS and Chadamo in terms of connectors and it's mostly CCS now so yep Patrick um, I'll perhaps give it another go and um, I'm sure you won't be disappointed but I think the days of free stuff might be over I don't want to shoot the fox here but um, yeah. I think it will be. I know, I know one place that I go to regularly that is a shopping centre where it's still free but really? I'm not telling anyone in case no. they it's Oxford the west the, not the west but there's a shopping centre in Oxford centre of Oxford it's so good <laughs> loads of them and it's free okay well you can put it in the comments we put it in the description below Jenny, if you're feeling like it and a couple of people who've done uh doing long trip andrew clayton said um he also has ranger anxiety he has charge anxiety rather than range anxiety but he says things are definitely improving uh he's just done a 500 mile journey no issues no broken charges no cues and he did it in a Corsair e uh so he said like its owner has a limited range which i thought was a quite nice comment <laughs> And, and uh, Paul Willits says um, he's got a Citroen e-dispatcher, again, not blessed with an enormous range, um, Devon to York on an August weekend. Uh, he says there's still too many 50 kilowatt chargers on the network, which, you know, I slightly agree with. We moan there is not enough. And then I don't know what you're like, but I tend to skip past them and try and look for something with a bit more power. I, just, I don't mm. bother with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he said, it, yeah, Paul Willett, that I've just seen there on that one, he's got range anxiety on the M1 as he bounced from services yes, to services, I like that. which a, is a good phrase. I, yeah. I avoid the services. Yeah. Cool. Just as a quick suggestion, convert the 50 kilowatts to Chadamo because Chadamo can't take more than 50 kilowatts anyway. So just have those of the Chadamo ones and leave the other ones for everyone else. Well, who, Controversial do we really that. even need Chadamo? Yeah, because there's, there's yeah, thousands and thousands of Nissan Leaf owners who still have Chadamo. Yeah. Yeah, very good for all the leaf owners out there, not much yes. use for everybody else. Wow. And yeah. on that note, I'm afraid I'm going to have to wrap up the postbag because we've gone way over right. our kilowatt half hour. So we are officially the kilowatt half hour in a bit for our first podcast of the new year. Thanks for all your comments. We'll make sure we leave more time for them next week, I think is the lesson that we've learned from this one. Yeah. Um, but it's great to be back with you. And we've got loads of good stuff coming this year. So should we, should we say our goodbyes? Goodbye and join us next time. Bye. Goodbye.